Hey everybody, this is Jeremiah Craig coming at you for another Ask the Bootmaker. And I am so pumped to be bringing these straight to YouTube now. I used to do them live on Instagram, but I want to try them on YouTube just because all the editing that it takes after the fact uh, just sort of slows me down for all the other content that I can produce. So we're going to try this on YouTube and see how it goes. Hey, Lucas. Hey, Leon. Um, before I bring Tommaso in here, I just want to let everybody know that I do have a awesome piece of merch here called the Try Easy Foldable Boot Jack. And this is made of aluminum. And you just unfold it like this and take your boots off. It makes it super portable. So if you are uh, traveling in airports or on the road a lot, uh, this is a great way to go if you need a boot jack for your boots. Uh, it's made in America by uh, my father's company, Twisted Willow Fabrication. And you can learn more about this at jeremiahcraig.com slash bootjack or at the link in the description. So now let's bring Tommaso in here and talk about custom cowboy boots what do you guys say let's do it Very looking good. good with all the lasts behind you and everything yes sir nice cool how's your day going so far they put a skinny filter on for me <laughs> you, nah you don't need one you look great nah it's going all right just a little uh i'm glad i got set up because i wasn't sure how to do it perfect yeah uh, let's kick things off. I'm I'm really interested to hear about your story and uh, the the process that you use when building custom cowboy boots and even how you became a top 25 boot maker uh, twice as claimed by Texas Monthly Magazine. But let's start out with the origin story. I want to know how you got into making cowboy boots. Well, long story short, I was supposed to go to law school. Um, had studied all my life, go to law school. My dad's lawyer, brother, sister. Um, and couldn't get in for like three or four years after college. Finally, I gave it one last ditch effort and was accepted to law school. But at the same time, I spoke to my brother and sister to see if they were happy. And they said if they could do it over again, they would do something else. So... At about the same time, I had wanted an alligator wallet. My dad and I wanted alligator wallets. And uh, he was, he, he had a lot of clients here in El Paso. He was one of the more renowned lawyers. So we went to one of his clients who was a bootmaker. And uh, actually, it's Mingo, who's a very well known bootmaker as well. And I asked him how much he'd make a couple of wallets for us for. And he said about $50. And we had just come from Dillard's and the wallets were $350. So I, a light went off my head and I said, you know what? There's some profit to be made here. So I immediately went to my best friend who had a tenant who was a bootmaker. And I told the guy, I said, look, I want to start making uh, basically uh, accessories and boots. And I told him, look, you know, I want you to teach me. Um, I'll give you a percentage of the company. You know, if you come on board and uh, we'll go from there. Well, he told me he didn't want anything to do with partnerships, just pay him his regular wage, and uh, we were off and running. And at that point, he was, I, I didn't realize what all it entailed to make a boot. So I would just go to Cowtown, you know, Paso, 
um, and buy a pair of ropers for $59 when I was 18. So like most people, I just go buy it off the shelf and put it on. And that was it. I never gave any thought to what went into it. Well, I quickly was informed that there's a ton of steps in it. Um, choosing a leather, the cutting. Uh, in Spanish, they call them fracciones, which are sections. And I learned that it takes a good four to five different people to complete a boot. Because people traditionally are trained in just one fraction. Uh, some are just trained in cutting leather. Some are just trained in putting the leather together as a boot. Then once it gets put together, it goes to a lapster who puts on the instep, outsole, heel, pegs the, the, the under under the boot, uh, we call it the enfranque, um, which is, I guess, the bridge. And then uh, at that point, it goes to the finisher. The finisher sands it down, stains it, and then it goes to someone's called an adorner who goes and cleans up the boot and picks up any possible uh, little scratch or whatever and leaves it ready to be shipped or, you know, uh, taken by the customer. So it was a very fast crash course. And additionally, I really didn't know Spanish at the time. And all these workers only spoke Spanish. So... And they refused to speak English. So I had another crash course on Spanish. And uh, the only time they would speak English is when they would get drunk and they would talk like parrots. They wouldn't make any sense at all. They would just blather all kinds of incoherent English sayings. So that's, that's basically how I got in. Um, and I was lucky enough at that time, and I've always been a perfectionist, um, every boot we made, I, I am visually perfectionist everything has to be balanced and <clears throat> I, I really just want to make shoes gentlemen's finer accessories um wallets shoes belts uh card cases braces which are suspenders but braces are the more formal type of suspenders things like that um and my bootmaker was just a bootmaker he was actually just the cut so i had to start looking out for different workers um and I kept trying to go into shoes and accessories, but being in El Paso at that time, there weren't many artisans that would do accessories. So I kept coming around back around the boots and the boots and the boots. And within a year or two, um, we had made some boots for different people. And at that time, uh, a friend of mine who was president of the Holocaust Museum was bringing in speakers. And at that time, he was bringing in Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, and he, wanted to commission a pair of boots to give to Mikhail Gorbachev. So I gladly accepted it, um, made the boots. And I had studied, when I was in college, I studied pre-law, basically political science. So when Mikhail Gorbachev came in and I went to present the boots, it was, it was kind of funny because he was more interested in the boots. He was totally giddy about the boots because he had just come from Dallas. They had given him a cowboy hat and we were giving him the boots and he was super excited about the boots. And I, on the other hand, was basically in awe because, you know, I don't know if you're old enough, but in, I think it was 89, he and uh, President Reagan brought down the uh, Berlin Wall. So mm -hmm. for me, that was, I had studied that. 
So I, we were on two different levels. He was excited about the boots, and I was asking him about basically about politics. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was nice. And I learned some Russian when he came in. And then a couple of years later, um, I was notified by Texas Monthly that I had been nominated and I guess accepted amongst their council or whatever it was. There were, you know, the people that were figuring out, you know, who the best makers in Texas were that I'd been ultimately chosen. So they came to El Paso. And by that time, we'd already done boots for Mikhail Gorbachev, Jack Nicholson, uh, a musician named Omar Leibert, uh, different people. Um, and it's always on, it's always been on commission. Um, you know, they're commissioned boots by other people. So I, I was quite humbled that we were recognized pretty early into our starting of, of our day. Wow. Um, yeah. So we'd already been um, within the first five years. That's and awesome. And then from then it was just, uh, uh, it was it was humbling. Yeah. I, I must tell you, it was incredible. What was, um, what did the boots and, look like that you made Gorbachev? They want the the museum wanted them to reflect something about El Paso. So on the front, we put a the state of Texas with a laurel wreath around it in silver, wow. and it was all inlaid. And on the back, it had uh, I think I believe it said El Paso, Texas. I think it was two thousand one or something. Uh, just kind of memorialized the trip past, but also the leather state. Actually, back then I used I used calfskin for the tops, and of course uh, goat for the inlays, and we had made him um, some belly kings. Because um, I was still nice. early in my career, and didn't really know about about belly in which soon thereafter I quit using um, completely. I just Never have liked belly caiman, but those are black belly caimans with a calfskin top and uh, the goatskin inlays. Wow. So Sounds I, beautiful. Was, That's so cool. Put them on, loved them to death. So it was, it was quite gratifying at that time. And still is. <laughs> I mean, someone who changed the world literally from the Cold War to where we are now, um, it was... It was an incredible experience. No doubt. Like, I can only imagine. Now, um, you, you mentioned that you went to law school uh, or you were thinking about going to law school because your siblings had done that. Um, now, what, is it, what was it like breaking off from like, the family tradition and what everybody else in your family was going into? Did you see something, uh, some, I guess, something come back at you? Uh, some negativity from your family or did, were they always supportive of your leatherworking and bootmaking career and aspirations? My dad really wanted me to go to law school. My mm -hmm. dad was a trial lawyer here. He was, uh, he had a lot of uh, clients here in, in what we call it South side. He did a lot of charity work for uh, the diocese. He was uh, the lawyer for the diocese and ha also had an incredible criminal law practice as well as well as personal entry. He's the one that wanted me most to go. My siblings are the ones that told me to go another direction because as I was growing up, my father practiced law in the eighties and the seventies, which was a big boom of personal injury. Um, there was a lot more business, if you will. And by the time I kind of got to that age, 
they had that show LA Law in the 80s, so everyone was going to law school. Um, and my siblings told me that it wasn't like, it wasn't the same climate as it was when we were growing up and my dad was practicing law. There were a lot, more, a lot more lawyers, a lot less, if you will, honor. Um, you know, back in the day, my dad called up another lawyer and settled a case. Now it was more cutthroat. So my siblings, they encouraged me to go another direction. My dad was disappointed, but he finally embraced it. And, you know, as I got more accolades, received more accolades, he embraced it. And he was, I like to think he was proud. Nice. Did you ever make your dad a pair of boots? No. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Um, I didn't, but, you know, one of my early boot memories was when I was about five or six years old, um, it was my dad's birthday, and my mother and siblings went out and bought him a pair of Tony Lamas, ostrich boots, for his birthday. And on the day of his birthday, we bought him on his birthday during the day, and then we had a party from at night. And I remember being told by everyone in the family, do not tell dad what we bought him. And, of course, as a five-year-old, like, sure, sure. Well, the minute he came through the French doors inside of the house, I ran to him, hey, daddy, 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 guess what? We got you some ostrich boots. Um, I couldn't hold it in, and you know, it goes back to back then that you know that I've had my uh, affection for boots. It was uh, it was quite a it was it was quite funny. You know, I blew the surprise. <laughs> but I think you would expect when five year olds, you know, yeah, right? to give his dad his birthday gift, and there was a pair of Austin boots which back at that yeah. time were you know pretty pricey. So yeah, that uh, no, but I never did make him a pair of boots. He never he never asked. And you know what? In retrospect, I kind of kind of disappoints me now that you bring it up that I never did. Um, it might it might have brought him around to the fact that you that it's like your career and uh, your passion if you made him a pair of boots earlier on. <laughs> yeah, you know you know what the, we did make him a lot of accessories, belts, wallets, nice uh, cases, all kinds of stuff. I mean, and, you know, I, I still along the way still. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't think. Managed to keep the accessory side up. I mean, that that was really where I really wanted to be. But uh, boots were where I got recognition, um, just for the construction, the quality, uh, the detail, all that. It just uh, it really made a name for us. Yeah, and and the detail that you put in your boots is incredible. If anybody hasn't looked at the Instagram yet. Uh, you have to because those the pictures of the boots that you make are just incredible. I got a question from two folks, um, both Wondermind and iSpidey on Instagram, and they both asked, what was your biggest struggle to start making boots? Learning curve. A learning curve. Well, learning curve was one of them because, like I said, I was like pretty much everyone else – I would just go buy a pair of boots or shoes, whatever, off the shelf. You don't give it a second thought. It's just, I would venture to say the average normal person doesn't give it a second thought. You go, it's off the shelf, you buy it, and no more thought about it. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what all the steps that go into it are. Uh, another one of the hurdles was the language barrier. Um, we always had uh, help at the house. and. I knew Spanish, you know, always, you know, I, I want to play, I want to go eat, you know, whatever. I always knew the catchphrases, but never conversational Spanish. So within the first six months, it was total immersion. 
so much so that I was, after six months, my brain had actually, if you will, flipped. And I was thinking in Spanish. Um, I remember one time with my dad and we were at a stoplight and uh, he was driving and the light turned green and he wasn't paying attention. And I said, hey dad, the light, the, 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 I couldn't think of the word stoplight. All I could think was the word in Spanish was semaphore. And I said, the, 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 the thing, the, the thing turned green. He's like, what, what? I said, the freaking semaphore. And he's like, what is that? I said, the stoplight. <laughs> but everything was in Spanish. My, my brain, had, I literally had gotten so immersed that I was thinking in Spanish. I mean, later on and now I'm able to, you know, <laughs> to flip back and forth. Um, but that was one of the hurdles as well. And of course, the boot business is not easy. Um, it's quite competitive, although it shouldn't be because there's more than enough room for everybody. Um, you know, in every single level, everyone has their niche, but when you get to the level of custom made and, you know, made to order, even though there's enough business, a lot of the other bootmakers are very, uh, how should I say, territorial. Okay. Uh, they don't want to let others in. Um, it's kind of sad that there's not more of a brotherhood, sisterhood, if you will. Um, everyone's quite territorial. They don't, they're not often lend a hand. Um, as you and I spoke earlier, uh, I had asked uh, some of my friends to share this uh, about the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, one in particular, Lee, Lee Miller from Texpeditions. I consider him to be the best. Yeah. I, I mean, there is, as far as I'm concerned, there's Lee Miller and then everybody else. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I asked him and I respect him. And he's one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to. I called him for the first time six months ago, expecting to not get much of a response like I have from other bootmakers, and he was super nice. And, and I guess what it comes down to in the very end is Lee is confident. He's not threatened. You know, he's confident in himself, in his artistry, and no one is a threat, whereas mm -hmm. a lot of the other bootmakers think everyone's a threat, which is the wrong way to think. But um, I just want to give a shout-out um, to Lee Miller. He's just uh, – great person and i want to thank him just uh for being so nice and uh sharing he, this as well yeah he it, i i love seeing him on instagram and the fact that he is always continuing his education he gets uh mentioned here on so many episodes of ask the bootmaker i haven't uh, been able to feature him yet but i can't wait until i do uh just because it's he's a legend just an absolute legend and on top of that, a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Really nice guy. I just, I, I cannot applaud him enough. I, honestly, it's just something you don't find. There's not a lot like him that are, the, that are nice. But again, it's his confidence that he's not threatened, like a lot of the makers are. So, but uh, I mean, it is what it is. Yep. It's good to have that attitude too, because everybody brings something different to uh making cowboy boots it seems like i mean i have conversations with folks all the time 
with bootmakers and it seems like they all come at it from a different perspective or do one thing a little bit different over here, over here. And uh, it's all about trying to find a custom bootmaker that matches up with the personality of the things that you're looking for in a cowboy boot, right? What do you think about um, working with customers and trying to find that perfect match uh, between uh, making a boot, making the perfect boot for somebody um, based off of like your relationship with them? Oh, I love it. I love it. I think that's one thing that sets us apart uh, from other companies is I work directly with customers. There's, I don't have a manager below me that works with me. I work directly every step of the way um, on design, uh, fitting, everything is with the customer, right? Like I tell, you know, they, they often ask me, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And every time my answer is, I can give you my opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to wear them. It's what you're going to feel comfortable with wearing, what you're going to be happy with, mm-hmm. what's going to make you fulfilled about the boot. Um, I, can, I can go on all day about my favorite skins, colors, uh, matching of, you know, tops with bottoms, uh, top stitching. There's so many aspects, but at the end of the day, like I tell them, I'm not wearing them. I know what I like. Um, I'm a very simple guy. I like elegant. I like timeless designs. Um, as you can probably see on my website, everything is very conservative. Um, we do some crazy stuff, you know, it's called for, but I like to sell a boot that if you buy today in 10 years, it's still wearable. You're not mm-hmm. thinking, oh, shucks, why did I spend X amount on a pair of boots? Because at the time, it was a fact. You know, and especially when you get into custom boots, I like something that, that spans time. I mean, and one of the skins that is always classic is alligator. I mean, my grandfather had alligator shoes back in the 20s, and alligator cigarette case, alligator belt, alligator wallet. Alligator is always... I don't want to say in style, but it's always classic. And classics, they transcend style, trends, fashion. You can always count on alligator to be elegant in mm-hmm. any situation. I mean, you can dress it up. You can dress it down. Jeans, slacks, tuxedo, yeah. you know, khakis, uh, shorts, uh, <laughs> if you're bold enough. <laughs> there you um, go. But, you know, and so I tell people, I mean, that, you know, it's just, it's a matter of getting, getting into something that's going to last. And mm-hmm. beyond that, the most important, in my opinion, is fit. Um, if you don't have fit, you don't have, you can, <laughs> you can figure out the word. Um, someone can spend $20,000 on a pair of boots. If they don't fit correctly, doesn't do them one bit of good. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we make boots, you know, particularly the higher end boots, we always make fitters and uh, a fitter that's usable, um, that they can use uh, out of horse hide, out of Bermuda, out of calfskin as a fitter to get the fit exactly perfect prior to cutting the alligator. That way, when the alligator gets to them, there's no question. It right. fits them like a glove. So when um, somebody gets a when somebody buys some custom boots, would 
from you, they actually end up with two boots, two pairs of boots. Depending on, depending on the style. Um, in particular, like the full alligators that are 7,500 or 8,900, um, the more expensive boots, uh, we do a, a fitter pair. And, and it's a fitter pair, again, like I said, it's usable. So, I mean, basically, they, they get, like you said, they get two pairs. They get a pair, which is a fitter. Um, based on the measurements, we build the last. We make the fitter. Um, and it's a regular pair of boots. I mean, all the same uh, elements, all the same materials, a regular boot. There aren't any corners cut. Um, but that way, when they receive it, they put it on and they either say, perfect, it's a go, or, you know what, Tommaso, we need to tweak it, you know, where the little toe is, it's a little tight on the instep, or it's a little loose on the instep, and then we tweak it, and then we're ready to go. And that way, they send the fitter back, we adjust the fitter, send it back to them with the adjustments, then they give the green light, and then we start cutting the alligator. Wow. We start That's cutting awesome. the good stuff. Yeah, that's a good deal. Now, it's just, you know what, there's so much money involved. I mean, alligator, a lot of these skins are, are very expensive. So, I mean, it's, it's a matter of insurance for both of us. I mean, because there's no point in, you know, taking an order, kicking it out, somebody gets it, it doesn't fit. The chances of somebody else coming along, one in the same boot in the same size, is slim to none. So we would be stuck with a pair that didn't fit and have to make another pair that fits. So it's just a, I see it as a good practice to make sure that they're happy, they have another pair of boots, and their prize boots fit them like a glove. Mm -hmm. And there's no complaints, and it seems to have worked out pretty damn well so far. Nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and and I completely agree. Alligator is always a classic look. In fact, it's on the top of my list here someday uh, as well. We were talking about build here uh, and how and how uh, the the cowboy boot fits. Um, there's seems to be a little bit of a, a thing in the industry <clears throat> right now uh, between handmade cowboy boots and handcrafted cowboy boots. Can you sort of run down the similarities or the differences between these two, two terms in the industry? You know, I thought about that a lot. That those two, use, those two words are used and abused so much. Um, handcrafted, I imagine, what I understand, is actually making the boot from start to finish by hand. Uh, no heavy machinery, no uh, sewing machines, none of that, which I think is kind of difficult. Um, we label our boots as handcrafted. Uh, everything that can be done by the hand, we hand cut. Uh, we stitch the top stitch machine, but it's freehand. Um, we actually have a pattern, a paper pattern, that we poke holes in before with a pattern we put it over the leather, and then we put uh, like talcum powder so that the design appears. And then we have our guys sit at the machine, Singer 3115, I believe, and they stitch it by hand. Mm -hmm. um, once all put together with the sewing machines, then it goes to the laster. He does everything by hand. We don't have a weld stitcher here. Um, he actually weld stitches everything by hand. 
the welt is attached to the insole and the leather, the actual vamp, by hand. That, that stitching by hand. Um, and then he, does, he builds a heel by hand, cuts all the leather by hand. Um, then, of course, it goes to the finisher who uses, like, sanding wheels to sand down the leather. Um, that's about as close to being fully, fully handmade, handcrafted, whereas most, I would say, most of the companies have mass machinery. They have clickers. Uh, they have computer stitchers that mm -hmm. they put the top down and literally in 30, 30 to 45 seconds, the whole design is stitched. Yeah. Or it takes us about four hours to do all four tops. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these companies, they have insole stitching machines, which take the place of hand stitching the insole to the, to the, uh, to the, to the welt and the uh, vamp. It's all automated. I mean, and you'd be surprised um, how many manufacturers claim to do it all by hand or to do everything by hand that can be done. Um, and I sit and I, and I realize, and it's, it's a little uh, disappointing to me that a lot of these companies use that when Clearly, if you look at some videos that have been taken by celebrities at factories and they're walking through and they'll say, oh, look at the handmade process. And you look and everything's machinery. The, mm -hmm. the welting, the, the cutting of the leather, the clicking out, the top stitching by computer, uh, everything. Yeah. The turning of the boot, once it's, once it's done, it's, it's a bit disappointing, but you know, a lot of companies go on their name and people just, they accept it. They, they don't question it. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean it also makes the, the, the boots a little bit cheaper so that more people in different budget ranges can definitely afford well, more of those kind well, of. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, I want again, to hear. You'd be, you'd be surprised. I will. <laughs> refrain but you'd be surprised you would be very surprised um at a lot of these high-end boot makers uh that employ well stitchers uh mm -hmm. top stitcher top, top stitching computerized machine you would be flabbergasted i mean honestly uh yeah all you gotta do is walk into the factory do a tour and you would see real quick no doubt that they're not handmade no doubt and to your point they're a little less expensive let me tell you those boots that i'm talking about you're talking about super high-end companies wow. that sell at a premium you would be surprised wow so i would i would yeah. from your from your uh, definitions i would call your process more like a handmade process than the factories that use the, the handcrafted terms so frequently um, just because I feel like oh, yeah. the handcrafted is that Definitely. marketing sidestep to where it's not handmade, but we crafted it by hand. Well, let me, let me give you an example and I'm not going to name any names. Um, about four or five years ago here in El Paso, there were billboards 
along the freeway. And it showed a worker with the boot top stitching on a sewing machine. And the boot was fully completed. <laughs> there is no way on God's earth that you can do a top stitch with a boot that's already fully completed. <laughs> but it was a great picture. It was a fantastic picture. And I saw it once and I drove by, I didn't give it any mind. Drove by again, I was like, wait a minute, that boot's completely finished. How is he top stitching it after it's completed? And I was like, oh my God. But again, unless you know the process, it's a great picture. You know, mm -hmm. grainy, black and white, kind of antiqued. Has the man sitting there with a boot at the, at the stitching machine like he's stitching the tops. And there's no way on God's earth that can be. And if there is someone out there, let me know. Because it'll <laughs> cut down a lot of time. But as far as I know, cannot be done. And I've done it for 20 years, which I am far from being any kind of authority on boot making. But I, I be willing to say that is not possible in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so, but that's that's, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all marketing and, you know, the consumer, unfortunately, is misled. They're misled. But nothing you can do about it. Um, I, I mean, it just it is what it is. Yep. And, and I, I feel like, uh, I mean, it's not just a cowboy boot industry thing. Uh, every industry uses marketing tricks like that. I'm, I mean, I worked in the marketing industry. I've seen stuff like that too. And even tried to get away with some of the stuff, like what can we say with this that makes it sound better, but actually not the process that it is like um, some, some oh, yeah. stuff like that. So I feel I'm not going to hold it against them or anything. They're just trying to sell boots, you know? <laughs> But it is yeah, kind of funny when you when you when you notice those things in pictures where it's like that boot is already done. How do they top stitch it? The thing is, it's misleading. Yeah, that's that what gets me. It's misleading. Yeah. Um, they're selling custom product on the guides are being handmade when it is completely automated. I mean, I we make a we make a an ankle boot for men, uh, an ankle boot kind of like a dress ankle boot, and I think. We retail it for about $2,900. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of Tom Ford. Uh, he, he took the helmet Gucci years ago. Now he's on his own. He has pretty much the exact same boots, you know, within reason, made in Italy, which is automated. I mean, they're not going to make, you know, one pair a day or 10 pair a day. I mean, they, they pump them out because they're worldwide. Uh, that same boot is labeled handmade and sells for twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. But you know, people buy the name, and that's why I say it's misleading because people buy the name, trusting that what is echoed to them is true. Mm -hmm. So I mean, and that'll that'll always be that'll always be around. That'll always be an issue, but. Uh, I guess it's for every price point, but I don't know what to tell you. It's, yeah. Uh, I just curious, you know, that, uh, the, the terms are always interesting to me. Um, even in 
uh, whether it be handmade or handcrafted or like the differences between the, the boot tops or boot shafts or snip toe or box toe. Like these terms are always very interesting to me. And I, I always like to um, think about it from that and, and ask professionals as well so that people can decide what language they want to use too. We were talking about sort of uh, this industry and uh, the terms used and also Italy. Um, and I got a question, a really interesting question from Wilfred, who is from the UK. Um, he, he has an international business question for you. He's, he asks, how do you approach uh, international market for boot sales? Like, are, are you thinking about that at all? I mean, we got some folks in here right now, uh, someone from Finland. So there obviously is an international market for cowboy boots. Are you thinking about that at all for your business and how do you approach it? We have done in the past. We have done international orders. Um, we have our website, which we just relaunched today on a new, I don't say a platform, but we, we redid the website completely. Um, it's up and ready to go. People can order from all over the world. Um, the website is up. They can order. Um, we try and market everywhere we can, but as you know, because you are a professional in this, uh, Website marketing is a tricky game now uh, with all the al what is it, algorithms and yep. this and that. Yep. Uh, you know, 20 years ago when I started, I used to do my own, my own SEO. You would plug in the words in the back and people would find you. Now it's a puzzle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question for international, yeah, we, we do, uh, we're able to sell abroad. It's just a matter of, I guess, people finding us. Um, we are, you know, we make them and there's no problem sending them abroad at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we manufacture for uh, a vegan boot company um, called Cat Mendenhall. So you and, make vegan uh, boots? Make oh, yeah. Oh, wow. There's zero in them whatsoever. What materials zero do you leather. use? It is all vegan friendly. It's, it's a vegan leather, if you will. But it's not leather. Uh -huh. But it looks exactly like leather. I mean, you you look at them, you cannot tell a difference. Um, and she sells those boots all over the world: Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South America. She sends all over the world. Wow. Um, and they're, I gotta admit, they're pretty neat looking. I mean, we employ all of the same uh, labor aspects. We just use different materials. I mean, we use uh, different linings. There, there's zero leather in them because they're 100% mm -hmm. vegan. Uh, we make the ankle boots, but those she ships all over the world, all over the place. Have you tried these yourself, like wearing them around or anything? No, no. You haven't had the interest. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, an, alligator. I'm an alligator guy. I like That's my what I'm alligators. About. <laughs> That's. That's what I wear. Suede, uh, matte, hornback, you name it. That's that's my game right there. Alligator. I love love the tiles, love the horns. Uh, again, I, I've got boots. I had a, I should have brought them in to show you. My son's gonna be 16 in about three four months, and. Uh, my staff made me a pair of boots as a surprise for his birth. 
and their alligator, cognac alligator mats, they're just as beautiful today as they were 16 years ago and wow. just as supple. In fact, if you give me one second, let me grab something real quick. I'm going to step away for one second. Give me one second, all right? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. One cool. All right. We got Tommaso Ardetti here on the stream. This is an awesome conversation. I'm loving the passion that he's bringing and the knowledge. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff here. We're going to be getting into some more questions here coming up, uh, especially with exotic leathers. So uh, we'll also we'll also have a question here from Reamer that we'll get to as well about hides too. So what you got? What'd you, what'd you bring back for us, Tommaso? My love for alligator is incredible. These are the boots, my children's first boots. This right here is my son Max's first boots. Whoa, and you I made that. I see it very well. That looks so good. Yes. Little tiny boots. For his newborn foot, it says Max and has a fucking Bronco, has <laughs> Buckstitch, and it's alligator. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. How well I can see it. It looks great. Wow. And when my daughter was born, we made her a pair of alligator boots as well. Uh, her name is Papillon, which is butterfly in French. And we made her a little triad with butterflies and her initials on it. Nice. Uh, but alligator, again, you know, like I was mentioning that pair we made, that my guys made for me, that was 16 years ago. And I still wear them today. They're fit like a glove and zero moisturizing at all. I, mm -hmm. They're in the closet for two years. I take them out, wipe them down with my wet towel from the shower, and they're perfect. Nice. Wow. Not cramped, not hard. Uh, they're perfect. So that's incredible. Uh, let's get into talking with uh, about some of these hides and your process in making boots with hides. I want to start out uh, with this question that we just got from Reamer here on the stream, and he asks, "How do you assure that your hides are animal friendly and properly sourced?" Well, we only buy farmed alligator or wild alligator that is has been legally uh, harvested. Mm -hmm. uh, every year tags are given out in the south um, and only those alligators that only the, only the hunters that get the tags can hunt the alligators. As to uh, the farmed alligators, well that's a controlled uh, controlled environment I guess if you will or a controlled industry better um, they're grown, they're harvested here in the United States, and then they're sent out to be tanned, but uh, they're all uh, legal and they're all harvest, harvested legal. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't use any, any non-legal skins. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a chicken, so uh, I tell people, unless, if they're going to fry their own skins, they need to be uh, tagged by the U.S. Department of Wildlife. Fish and wildlife um, skins. I buy. Well, I buy them from the main skin dealers, so I know they're they're uh, legal. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't I don't go out of bounds with that. Uh, I have gotten calls for sea turtle. Won't touch it. Yep. Um, I just don't even want them in my shop. 
right. quite honestly, because uh, you get pinched with that and it's over. Right. So I'm not even going to mess with that with uh, or anteater as well. There's mm-hmm. really no anteater out, out there. The few that are left out there, I'm leery of. Uh, so I don't allow any of that to come into my shop at all. I'm not, not going to take the chance to lose 20 years of work over a pair of boots. Right. It just isn't worth it. No doubt. There's, I'm sure there's somebody down the street willing to do it, but it ain't going to be me. Yeah, that's, that's smart. And it's definitely a good way to go too, because it's definitely something that a lot of people think about when they're getting boots, especially exotic uh, boots. Uh, now, one thing that you're known for that you put in a lot of time doing is matching skins. Um, can you tell us why uh, you spend so much time matching and, and kind of what it means to try to match up the skins between the left and the right boot when you're building them? Well, when people commission a pair of boots from us, yeah. uh, they're expecting the best. Um, and I would be letting myself down if I didn't deliver the best. Uh, for example, I told you we have uh, on our site under, I think it's under corporate commissions, um, we have a pair of boots that says El Paso Chihuahuas. Well, that's our local baseball team. I think it's AAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owner's wife commissioned the pair of boots for her husband for his birthday. Um, and obviously, I mean, it, it's, it's an expensive pair of boots. So I'm not going to just – things need to be aesthetically correct for me. They need to be balanced. Um, so when it comes to that, we use two heights. We don't cut corners on something like that, like a full pair of alligators. We don't do the bias cuts, uh, which is an easier way to go, but that's, you can kind of match it very easily with that. What is the bias but cut? For a boot, that, bias cut is when you have a large skin um, and you cut from the sides. You cut from this side and this side, the skin is like this. So then there's a, there's a line down the middle of the skin. Mm-hmm. So it's like mirror. So if you cut at an angle, that's when you get the cut where it has the flank, the little round scales, as well as the mix of the square scales. That's a bias cut. So that's okay. cut from a large scale. Um, but when we make full alligators, all right, for the most part, all alligators, I like to use which is the best cut to do, take two alligators, two juvenile alligators, and you cut from the head, the skin. Um, that is a prime cut. But alligators, like humans, no two are alike. Your fingerprint is different from my fingerprint. Alligators, the same thing. So, for example, on that pair for the El Paso Chihuahuas, um, I went through about eight to 900 skins to match two skins. Whoa. And if you look at the pictures, when you look at the vamps, when you look at the toes, on each one, there's a diamond-shaped scale in the exact same place on each foot. And the scales are lined up perfectly. They liked them so much, they came back and bought another pair for a team they own called the, uh, the Braus. It's a professional soccer team, a top-level soccer team in Mexico. And he wanted it in black. So I went through about another 700 skins. And on those, I was able to find the two matching diamonds just flipped the other way. No but if way. you look at the vamps, 
the diamonds around there. And, and of course, on those boots, you know, we, uh, uh, on the pulls, we did their last initial. It was an F. We did them in sterling silver and put them on the pulls. So it was, it was a spectacular pair of boots, both of them. I mean, because we, we try, not only on the vamp, but on the tubes, we try and line up the scales. So when we close them, it's all one continuous line. Jeez. It's all matched up. How long does that take to go through six to 800 hides looking for a match like that? A long ass time. <laughs> I'd say. Long. Like, are we talking days, me. weeks? A couple of days, probably. Wow. I mean, you're kind of just shuffling through them. And, you know, you find one, I guess, scale pattern you like. And you basically pull all the ones that are similar to that. So you may pull 60 or 70. And then from that 60 or 70, it's a process of elimination. To the one you want, then you try and match the others to that one. And so, of course, I mean, you go... Do you do this at the tannery or do you, ha do you yeah. have well, six to 800 hides right there at your shop? At uh, different companies that we buy the skins from. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in, you know, big old plastic containers that can be stored. Um, and we just go through them right there. Wow. I mean, it, it takes a while. Some of the owners of the places are not happy because <laughs> I sit there and they consider cherry picking, but you know, I'm going to deliver what I can to my customer so that it's a one of a kind, literally pair boots. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find someone else that does that. I mean, you know, you can match them so-so here and there, and you know, it's decent, but I, I'm, I'm very visual and I'm, uh -huh. I'm very detailed. And if, if it doesn't match, it, I get nervous. I, I, I get uncomfortable and it, I get uncomfortable and I don't want to present them to a customer, even though nine times out of 10, they're not going to notice either way, whether, you know, like the ones I did, or if they're a little different, nine times out of 10, right? Almost 10 times out of 10, they're not going to notice. They're just going to look at them. Hey, they're pretty, they're alligator. Let's go. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of for my own satisfaction, uh, for my own fulfillment that they're perfect. They're gorgeous. And as your legacy too. As can be. Nothing Nothing's perfect, obviously, but as close to as possible. Yeah. And then on those two boots, we did tooling of the logos. And they were spectacular. I mean, just spectacular. In fact, let me let me move my camera yeah. to where the skins are. Is that let's right? go see them. Yeah, let's Give see the one skins. One second. Two days going through. Hides. Ooh, let's see. <laughs> that is now crazy, but also awesome. Are. I got a question for you while you're on the move here from Eduardo of DS on Instagram. Uh, he asks, what is the best exotic leather for rainy weather? You know, there. I'm going to come back to my favorite as usual which is alligator. Um, it's an amphibian. I mean, it's, it's in the water all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's already ready for it. Um, something we're doing right now is beaver tail, which I'm sure is going to be very good as well. Wow. Um, but pretty much any, 
most skins should be good. Um, again, I'm partial to alligator. Why should I lie? Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty much most skins, alligator, and you know you can treat them as well for for uh, waterproofing them. But off the top of my head, alligator, shark, uh, you can't go wrong with that. Um, but unless you're going to be walking around in, you know, ankle deep water, if your boots are made correctly, you shouldn't have a problem. Even with ostrich, calf, if boots when they're lasted are lasted in the let, the wet last method where the, the vamps are soaked in water first and they're in just the water, then it's not a shock that they get wet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may get a stain possibly, but they should, they should be all right. But I to answer your question, I would go with the alligator. I would go with any animal that is uh, native to the water. I think that would be the first, the first uh, requisite. Bullfrog, alligator, um, what else? The shark. Uh, shark. What do you feel about like the big Anything bass like piruku leather? You know, I haven't dealt much with that. I've done a uh-huh. couple of pairs. Um, but I really haven't gotten much of a call for it. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I'd be lying to you if I gave my opinion on it. Um, we've done literally maybe three pairs of the Piruku. So I, I would be misleading you by giving you any kind of opinion on those. Makes sense though. If it's from the water, it should deal well with water. <laughs> Are there any leathers that you refuse to use? Like you won't ever stock on that shelf behind you? Cayman. Cayman. Why is that? When I started, and I don't know anymore, but it was notorious for cracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the belly came in, even the hornback was notorious for cracking. Um, even though we, on a skin like on python, on rattlesnake, on some of the thinner skins, lizard, we back them with a pigskin. We glue a pigskin backing to the to the more uh, delicate skins to keep it from cracking. Came in always had a tendency to crack. And you know what? I'm not going to sell something that I'm suspect of. So unless somebody is adamant, absolutely adamant, they want came in. I don't use. It. I don't offer it. I don't stock it. Nothing at all. I mean, I. I have some of my vendors that want to sell to me and I'm just, I just, it's not worth it to save the money. If two years down the road, they start cracking. Right. It's just not, I mean, I, I'm, I try to sell boots for a lifetime, not for a couple of years. Right. You know, we have a guarantee in our boots for workmanship. Again, like I tell people, Unless you get on a motorcycle and drag your boots, you know, 200 yards on the asphalt or kick some barbed wire, your boots are pretty much guaranteed for workmanship and craftsmanship, you know, for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they got to be resold eventually, but the uppers, I stand behind every skin that I use. I mean, again, I've got a pair of boots that are 16 years old, they're alligator, the belly, they're as supple and soft as a day I put them on 16 years ago. Love so it. yeah, came in, 
no can do, no will do, period. Gotcha. So that's that's gotcha. something that I just, I'm just not a fan of. Yeah, and, I've seen the Caymans you know, that do crack like right along the, uh, the 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 areas where the the scales meet, the tiles meet, right where the bend where the boot bends the most. I have seen that. I haven't had it that happen to any of my Caymans yet, but it's definitely something that I warn people about when they do go the Cayman route. Yeah, it's just not it's just not something I like. I just never have. I know it's a low cost alternative to alligator, but in my opinion, you're gonna end up paying more because mm-hmm. the chances of them cracking are, I would say, pretty high. I, I've heard that they've made a lot of progress in the tannage, on the tanning process, but... I, Still not sold on it yet. No, I use... I, I use... I specifically try to use American Alley. That is the creme de la creme for, you know alligator crocodile nice if that's not available i'll use saltwater crocodile because it's pretty damn close but everything i use i try always to use american alligator just nice period it's 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 the best love it cool in terms of durability longevity and and beauty no doubt yeah it looks so good i love the large tiles that you can get from them I brought a pair real quick. Let me show you this pair. Real yeah, quick. let's see. Let's see. These are the ones I was telling you about. I made about six years ago. Oh, the gold. Yeah, the gold. Uh, they're tools. And that's real gold. Hand tools. Yes. They're built with infinite care gold. And I mean, look at this. I mean, this was done about six years ago. And look at that. Wow. It's just that is so supple. supple. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're perfect. And they'll last forever. I mean, and this is hand-tooled by uh, Jim Resley, who's a legend. I, I don't know if you've heard of him, but if you're into tooling, uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know, will recognize the name, Jim Resley. I believe he tools for ML Eddy, I wow. think, in, in Fort Worth. He's, mm-hmm. he's one of their main tools. He's second to none. He's Well, here's another boot. He tooled this boot right here. Uh, oh yeah, that's this, the one that I used for the promo of this uh, this live stream. That is such a beautiful boot. Tooling is second to none. Yeah. He made this one, and then we collaborated on one more, uh, which I love. Is the Acorn Autumn Acorns? Jeez. He did the tooling on that as well. But see, I mean, look look at this. I mean, we did these years ago and look at it just it's just a sub this, this is not going to break uh-huh this is not going to break. but again a lot of it depends on what the boot maker uses i mean i have a customer right now in new york and we're talking about he wanted he wanted this but in an ankle boot. i said great and he goes well will the alligator last said well the thing is we don't i don't keep alligator in stock um i don't go buy 30 skins because mm-hmm. then who knows how long they're going to sit here. And I'm not going to pull a skin that's been sitting for a year or two that may have, you know, dried out. So everything we use is fresh. Whereas a lot of other companies, they'll buy tons and tons of alligator and it'll sit there for one, two, three years before they get to it. So that's what people have to realize too, is the quality of the alligator 
or the ostrich. I mean, if they sit forever, they're going to age. They're mm -hmm. going to dry out. So when you put them in a boot, you're getting, yes, yeah, a new boot, but with a skin that may be two, three, four years old. So we always use, everything is made to order, like I said. Everything is made. You call Tamar Jeremiah and order a pair of alligator boots, we're going to get a fresh skin from the, from the vendor. Um, mm -hmm. that hasn't been sitting long. I mean, they turn stuff over, you know, Tony Lama's here, Lucchese, all the big companies. So they're continuously, continuously turning the skins. Wow. So the chances of, you know, of us using an old skin or dry is pretty, pretty slim. So. That's, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great service to have. Let's talk about your customers for a second. You were talking about Gorbachev is one of your customers, Jack Nicholson, but you've also made boots for the Pope. Can, can you tell me what that was like, oh, right. making boots for the Pope, and which Pope it, it was for? It was the current Pope, Pope okay. Francis. Um, we, it was a commission. Somebody wanted to give them the boots, so they commissioned us to make the boots. So I had to do my homework, obviously, on sizing, et cetera, you know, any inconsistencies, any, any inconsistencies with his feet. Had to design a pair that, if he wore them, which I don't know if he ever did, but if he did they would fit him and they would become. So we basically designed a roper style boot, but it was a one piece, um, a one piece vent that wrapped all the way around. Wow. With a one piece top. Kind of like a regal, but where it met, it met on the inside angle. We put a zipper to facilitate him putting them on. And I thought about it, you know, they gave me artistic leeway. So I thought about it for a while. And I thought, well, you know, I read about the Pope and I read that he's very, uh, very humble. He came from South America. He's very humble. Wasn't flashy. Wasn't like the previous Pope that wore Prada slippers. Um, so I kind of did my due diligence and realized that I wanted to make him a pair of boots that were simple. So we came up with like an eggshell color. And Pope Francis kind of strayed from the other popes, whereas the other popes used a, a crucifix of Christ, but it was kind of like a skinny crucifix. All the other popes had used that other crucifix. Pope Francis uses the, uh, the Good Shepherd, which is Jesus with his flock of sheep. And I had Jim Resley tool an exact replica of the cross that Pope Francis wears, and we inlaid that into the front of the boots. And awesome. it was the same color as the one he wears. Um, and like I said, it was a one-piece vamp. It was a low heel. Uh, it was it was pretty neat. And then I, you know, I I inscribed inside of it, you know, that we had made him for him, and then I allowed, or not not allowed, but I invited all the crew that was here at the time to you know put an inscription as well you know, that uh, they had their hands in the process. So it was, it was pretty neat. It was different. Awesome. Was well, nice I hope he wears them underneath the robe more often uh, than not. So do, I. so do I. I mean, on our new website, I'm actually going to have them. I think that actually, if you go to the website, there should be a, a feature on the boots and you can click and see the boots. You can see the, the hand tool cross. I mean, even the patina was exact on on the cross because it's you know it's a metal it's a metal cross he wears and the patina was antiqued to a t it was perfect it was 
it was beautiful. Yeah, it looked great. And then we put a real nice, a real, and we put a real subtle uh, matte platinum beading piping on the boots. So you know, it was they were nice, but they weren't loud. I mean, they were you know, they're nice and subtle. So it was it was fun doing those. Love it. That's that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I I think it's so cool that you made boots for the Pope. Um, now you said that you, you, you couldn't fit him because they were on commission. Um, what is your fitting process like? Do people always have to come in and get fit by you? Uh, if they're looking to buy boots, how does that work when working mm -hmm. with you? Um, we have a last that is, I want to say very universal. Uh, we have a last that fits like Lucchese. Okay. So um, we had we had one customer that ordered two pairs of boots, uh, a pair of gaiters, and a pair of full ostrich, and he wore I think an eleven and a half D in Lucchese. They said, "All right, we're pretty similar." He ordered the two pairs, and they fit him like a glove. I mean, that was you know if they want to order straight up, if you wear Lucchese, we can pretty much pretty much guarantee they'll fit you. Nice. If you want to go for the custom fit, we have two measuring documents online that you can download. They're very easy to follow. Basically, just tracing your foot, having someone trace your foot, and taking three key measurements, and then also measuring the foot, the drawing from front to back in centimeters. And with those, we can pretty much figure out and get the size, if not perfect damn near perfect, really close. Um, nice. Now, of course, you can come in as well and we can measure you. And I'm going to step away from one, for one second so I can show you something else. Yeah, let's see what you got. That's definitely a huge value uh, to be able to measure yourself and or at least get help measuring yourself and sending in those measurements to Tommaso if you guys are interested in getting some custom boots or special order boots uh, with designs and, and leathers that you want, uh, that's, that's huge value. Then there's another way we can go. We have a customer in Las Vegas. He came in, we measured him. Turned out he had a very narrow ankle. So what we did is we advised him to get a cast of his foot. Wow. So we have his foot here an exact cast of his foot how much does that cost so, though how much would it cost for me to go get a cast of my foot and then just send you the cast you know what he did was he went i think i think i need to look into this but i think there's kits basically what he did was it's a sock and he put the sock on and then they wet it and within a couple of minutes it hardens and then you need someone to cut up, cut down the back, I believe, and you pull your foot out, and you basically have the sock that has your exact that has an impression of your foot all the way up to your calf. He <laughs> sent those awesome. to me. I have a friend who's an orthopedist. I took the sock over there, and then he made this for me. Filled it with a plaster, and now I have this here. So we can go from here to here. Wow. And we can fix it exactly how he wants. 
with a smaller heel. And we're still working on this to get every little nuance perfect. Because he has, he has, I think, a, a little bone spur right about here. Uh-huh. Uh, he has a little problem right here. So that's why we're transferring all of it to the last. Wow. And then that's once, so cool. Once the last is perfected, we're going to, he wants us to also make a wooden last for him. So once the last, this last is to his liking, to his fitting, we're going to transfer it into a wooden last that he will have here whenever he wants to order something. It'll always be here, the wooden last with his name and the date. And that way we never, never have to worry about, you know, pulling the pieces back out and putting it on last. It's, it's, so, so to say, set in wood. It'll <laughs> always be here for him whenever, whenever he orders, we'll just pull his last with his name. He'll give us, you know, what he wants and he'll get him in the mail and they'll fit him perfect every time. <laughs> that is so cool that he sent you a plaster of his, of his foot of both feet to then work off of that. I, I would have never imagined that being an option, but damn, that is cool. <laughs> let's, let's wrap things up here, Tom. Um, if somebody wants to buy boots from you, whether they're measuring themselves or uh, sending you their measurements or even the entire plaster of their foot and leg, how would they go about uh, connecting with you and making that order? Well, there are several ways. You can go to my Instagram page and there's a link to our website. I got that or in the description. The page, yeah. Um, we also have the number 1-915-996-1082. Mm -hmm. uh, you can call. If you're a little more shy and don't want to call on the phone, you can email us um, or text us via that number and we can get the process started. Awesome. Tommaso, thank you so much for... Uh, Sure. joining me on this Ask the Bootmaker episode. If anybody's interested, all the links that he just mentioned are in the description right now. Uh, Tommaso, is there anything that you want to leave folks with before we, before we end this? I just want to thank you. It's, it's been an honor to be on here. And, you know, we're here to uh, put dreams into reality, literally. I mean, we've made boots for all kinds of people and all kinds of themes. Um, you can dream it. We can make it literally um, inlay tooling, whatever. And also check out our new sneakers. We're making sneakers now that uh, are really neat. They're all custom made. They're exotic from, from Bermuda to alligator. And each one of them are custom made. So you can make your own colors, whatever you want. It's, it's kind of a neat thing. So, you know, look us up, and if you have any questions, do not be shy. Give us a call. That's what we're here for, to help you through the process from start to finish. Love it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Tom, and thanks, everybody, for watching and listening to this uh, episode of Ask the Bootmaker Boot with uh, Tommaso Ardetti. Thank you, Tom, and have a spectacular day. You're the best. Peace. Everyone take care. Mask up. Got to get taken. take care of the stuff. True be that. Safe. Thank you.